See, with with Tanago, yet another example when you have a fighter who relies on their natural talent and heart. There's a certain threshold. Now, with with Kose, he's a he's a fighter. He he he's not a boxer. He's a fighter, and a fighter who fights with his heart on his sleeve, and mm-hmm. at minimum weight, and a and at junior fly, he, he had to resort to his power to get him out of trouble. Uh, some of those fights, and certainly the, the championship fights, he was actually losing the fight, so he had to rely on his power, you know, to kind of save him. So, so there was deficiencies we could see there. So, against the yoga, when it, when it, when it comes to a fighter like that, your 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 natural talents, like your you know your rugged style, your 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 combination punching, your pressure fighting, your inside fighting. Can only take you certain far, but if you've never developed a jab, and you've never developed good defense, um, that's only going to take you certain that far. And it only took him as far as 112 pounds. And we saw what was starting to happen against heavier power punches, and he was starting to take damage and facial damage, and and blo- and broken orbital sockets, and that was a worrying indication. But that could still happen even with a good defense. If, if you're fighting against a power puncher like a, you know, uh, like an Angel Acosta, you know, he, who can knock, who is knocking out cats with one punch, vicious left hooks, knocking them out clean. So there's always a a tendency that could happen. But for me, that that you know, that was the worrying signs for Tanaka that you cannot fight Yoko against that. And what Yoko also did, he actually old manned him. He old man that he played so many mind games with Tanaka, and you could see he was very nervous, you know, gloved up so early, agitated, burning yes. too much energy, pacing up and down. What was Yoka? He was the complete polar opposite, you know, just strolling in. You know, he's got his hair greased back like the Yakuza mafiosa. You know, he yeah. didn't give a fuck. You know, he was just relaxed as hell, you know. So he... He he old manned Tanika and you could see Tanika in the ring, you know, just too too many nerves, but he never that's not an excuse, but he he never had he never really had those fundamentals that you need against a fighter like him. And uh uh not only did he expose that, but he he manipulated, as you were mentioning, Tanika with those shots. You know, using those decoy punches for his left hooks, and then Tanaka just walking into them, not even realizing the trap that was set with those kind of fadeaway right hooks he was throwing, and then walking into those left hooks. It's <laughs> it's kind of really an example to these young fighters. You know that uh, you know when you when you when you go up against these you know cerebral fighters that. Uh, you know that that those sort of you know those sort of you know aggressive tendencies that you have are not going to work, especially when you're moving up in weight as well. You know if you're going to be bold enough to fight a champion straight away at 115, even though you're the younger fighter who may look like the bigger, he was the more sort of physically chiseled fighter, but that doesn't matter. You know it's 
it 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 it, it comes down to you know your your boxing school, your education, and 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 no wonder why Tanaka is talking about now you know moving away from his father because we, we're seeing that you know the, the, the limitations with his father. Um, he's gotta he's gotta work on 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 defense and he's gonna develop a jab and it's surprising that he that he just doesn't hasn't done so. Um, so a lesson that he a, a very painful and debilitating lesson, but I don't think it's gonna be a bad lesson for Tanaka going forward. It, it's a real wake up call for him. So if he has aspirations of re-entering the pound for pound coup d'etat list, uh, um, the lessons are there. You know, he he needs to go back and revisit the, the, the you know the footage. Learn. He's got to be. He's got to ha have that humbleness, and I think he does have it to say that. Yeah, you know, there's there's just too many gaps, both offensively and defensively, that I got to work on, and I've got to remediate. Um, I think working with a new trainer is a good idea as well. Um, hopefully they can implement, uh, you know, what he needs to do because I think what he does have, he, you know, he has all of the other very good aspects that could, you know, really elevate his career. So if, if he can combine them with those just, just fundamentals that he desperately needs, you know, who knows? You know, in a few years' time, he, he he'll be a more all-round complete fighter as well. So, um, there's there's still hope for Kosei. So, I'm sure um, if the coup d'état, once we've taken over, you know, the Tyrol Palace in Bavaria, in future's <laughs> come, Kosei hopefully will be back with a new trainer, be doing some good things. You know, uh, super flyweight. You know, star studied division. We've already got three guys here. If Donny Nietes was still active, he could have been the fourth. Yes. Anaka, you know, we were contemplating. He could have had five super flyweight fighters in the top ten, which would have been yeah. outrageous. But uh, nah, nah, I think that would have been that would have been a, a detriment to you know to to the other fighters. But um, yeah, so yeah, Yoka. Um, could have could have even been higher than that, but as we said, a lot a lot of the fighters between one, one and four very interchangeable. I think no one's really fixated at at, at position number one, and even with the similar five to ten, they can all be pretty, pretty sort of you know interchange interchangeable. So um, um, official, any, yes, yes, definitely. Any, I, I mean. I mean, I would just say that uh, before this fight, I had Tanaka on my pound-for-pound pound list, but I dropped him here since uh, since that performance. Um, not only as if he did something bad, but because there is there are a lot of other fighters that are good and that even couldn't make our list. Um, but yeah, Yoka definitely. By the way, huge shout out to Andre Rodriguez. I didn't know that Salas was working with uh, Yoka for such a long time. He's telling me they've known each other for 16, 70 years because it was unclear to me since when did he start working with Yoka. 
uh, I know that his his father was his trainer, but I remember at the McWilliam Saroyo fight that uh, he went with another trainer. I'm not sure who was that, but yeah, Yoka impressive fighter. I would, I could even have him higher on the list, definitely. Yeah. No, Ishmael Charles is that. Is that um. Yeah, has had a has had a long relationship with Yoko. It's it's a little bit like with um, the, the controversial figure JDs and and Deontay Wilder. Like JDs and Wilder go back a number of years as well, way before sort of Mark Breland. Hence the reason why I think he resorted to keep JDs as opposed to Mark Breland, um, just because mm. on the basis of how long their relationship together is. But um. Okay, number four. Now we'll swiftly move on to number three, and the Kudatara Boxing's number three. We went for Alexander Usyk, and for the reasons we stipulated at the very start, that political political roadblocks which have been constraining his career at at, at heavyweight. Are not factors to remove him off the list or to not even take into account of what may have transpired because we've already talked about Usyk in the past that um, the mandatory position that he's had for heavyweight uh, had had he had a promoter a, a promoter who was working for his vested interests then Usyk could have exercised those births and it is highly possible that he, that he could have been the unified world heavyweight champion this past 2020, but for other reasons and, and certainly with injury as well that he isn't. But nevertheless, Usyk um, has amassed, has accrued a, an 18 victory career thus far with 13 wins coming by way of knockout. Now we know that Usyk has, has reigned supreme as the undisputed world champion at, at cruiserweight um, in 2018 until he vacated the belts um, in 2019, being the first boxer in history uh, to become or to hold championships in all of the four major world championship categories. And he was the, the, the fastest fighter to become a world champion at cruiserweight, having surpassed the great um, Evander Holyfield, uh, who was a free time undisputed. Um, so for a fighter with... Not that many professional fights um, has achieved a tremendous amount of success. And for some of the categories we talked about earlier on as well, the, the ability to fight or to win world championships, uh, not on domestic soil, but to fight in the back, to fight in the, in the home countries of, of his opponents, 
and and put on very good displays and you know to beat undefeated champions as well um he's done it all there's there's not that many road warriors in boxing who can kind of emulate what alexander has done um very unique it, it's kind of weird he kind of gets he talked about it as an amateur as well that what he did as an amateur in in fighting out of the ukraine after a lot of the the, the regional championships that he had um he won a lot of his success over in london as well um being uh you know european world and olympic world championships um a tremendous amateur career but as a as a, as a professional he took all of the, the the boxing ability and the kind of unique boxing ability he had as a cruiserweight we never really saw that uh, that amount of footwork um almost almost uh, replicating his he's a he's a good friend and training partner and uh and countryman in vasily lomachenko is almost like a like a like a fights like a featherweight and at sort of cruiserweight but um has has a tremendous all-round game maybe fights a little bit better on the back foot but he can definitely fight leading as well isn't there's nothing that he can can't do has tremendous um work ethic can control distance and range can pretty much win a fight with just a jab if he has to um when you really uncorks it has frightening hand speed you know for a 200 pound sub 200 pound plus fighter is is extraordinary um can increase his work output as fights progress so is a testament to his conditioning and his endurance definitely can fight if the fight was you know 15 rounds i think it wouldn't really pose a problem for him um has a very good chin has um has underrated counter punching ability and underrated body attacks they think he's just uh he kind of gets pigeonholed as just being a, a sort of a distance and range fighter um but he's a fighter who understands uh how to fight as a southpaw um is a master of employing lead hand control and lead footwork finding getting prime position against fighters neutralizing some of their power punches some of their you know their strongest facets um just a just a just you know just an extraordinary fighter i think you know one of the best fighters i think i've seen in 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 the last in the last decade or so uh i've been following usik i've watched had the benefit of watching him fight live in the amateurs twice at uh, both at the olympic games uh and the world boxing world series of boxing as well um fought much bigger fighters in his previous campaign at super heavyweight but he came back down but he's he's pretty much 
moved from from you know from the late 160s to, to sort of 200 pounds so he's kind of fought pretty much everybody through all of those weight categories early on as an amateur once he actually settled down and started fighting from super heavyweight to heavyweight um, but at cruiserweight clearly a dominating stretch but he, then he went back down you know for tony bellew who was the champion in recess or whatever it was at, at the wbc just to try and eliminate all doubts so that that kind of i kind of like that as well so he defended his undisputed you know championships as opposed to giving them up straight away so to eliminate any doubt in anybody's mind that he was the number one fighter uh at at at, at cruiserweight um and moving up to the professional ranks it's sorry moving up to heavyweight it's kind of been a little bit frustrating but um he's had injuries and it's it's yet another example of fighters with such a such a protracted and deep and diverse um career especially amateur um the stresses and strains you know that you the injuries kind of take its toll as well, and, and especially with Usyk, who's, who's making the transition to from cruiserweight to heavyweight. So he's kind of redeveloping his body, maybe putting on more muscles to kind of increase his, his mass and his frame and his size, but without too much reduction to his, his, his speed and his endurance as well. So very, it's kind of, you know, very very sort of experimental and it's a testing career but um he fought chaz witherspoon and uh, you know people shitted on chaz witherspoon as well but um then we you know Usyk when he when he moved up to heavyweight he was looking to fight you know alexander pavietkin was his first named opponent he wanted to fight and then after pavietkin he was fighting uh, Anthony Joshua for the unified world heavyweight championships that was that was kind of what he mapped out to you know to k2 promotions so but Vietkin was the one who who talked about maybe delaying the fight he didn't want to fight Usyk at that time he wanted to wait uh try and build up the fight uh try and maybe fight Usyk after after the hunter fight um so unfortunately for Usyk it's been very frustrating and he has not had a promoter as I've aforementioned who's who is there for his vested interest I, I think it's a I was very critical of the matchup from the start and uh, that's the way it's panned out because Eddie Hearn clearly does not want I, I feel he doesn't want Usyk as as the champion because there's not a lot of money in Usyk being you know the world heavyweight champion especially with fighting under the zone and fighting you know in the united kingdom as well um clearly eddie hearn wants the belts on wants the belts to remain on anthony joshua and and you can understand it from 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 an economic standpoint and what joshua has the amount of money and revenue he's actually generated for eddie hearn but um so it's been kind of frustrating with alexander that he's not been able to get that shot and what I like about Usyk is that he doesn't want to fight for no vacant world championships. He wants to become undisputed to try and emulate what he did at cruiserweight. And he wants to fight. He wants Joshua and he wants Tyson Fury. And those are the only two fighters that 
um, that I think would give him the kind of satisfaction that he would derive from from winning world championships, um, fighting against a, you know a Joyce or, or a Joseph Parker for a vacant world W for a vacant WBA world championship. I think that would kind of I think it would I think it would be depressing for me and it would be depressing for Usyk as well and and for boxing fans. Um, because I think he certainly has the capabilities of beating Joshua and had the fight taken place when Usyk was high on the momentum of coming from cruiserweight to heavyweight, certainly with the surprise element as well. I don't think he would he, he would have needed any sort of acclimation fight to heavyweight. I think he could have taken Joshua straight out, straight off the bat. And, you know, people will have differing opinions, but I think he, he would have had, you know, the boxing ability to have, to have beaten Joshua, maybe outpointed him, definitely outboxed him, I feel, even with all of the physical disadvantages that he has. But that's that's the mark of the fighter, what he's looking to do. Any fighter who he has the greatest adversity, what he's looking to overcome. When you're talking about giving away five, six inches in height, even up to 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 pounds in weight, so if Alexander Usyk does become the heavyweight champion, now that is the straight, that would be the, the, the greatest singular achievement that any fighter has achieved in any of the 17 weight categories currently in boxing. I don't think anything else would even replicate that. Even if it was uh, what it's looking like possibly, you know, a Joe Joyce for a vacant title, um, that's not a bad fight, but we know, you know, Usyk has already beaten Joyce in the World Boxing Super Series, so it shows the pedigree that he had against heavyweights even back then, being the much, much smaller fighter. And, you know, that wasn't a fight that, you know, he was standing and trading with Joyce and the way he was counter-punching him. Um, you know, that it, it just shows, you know, uh, the ability he has, and uh, you know, he, he's a fighter. You know, first and foremost, he's he has tremendous boxing ability, but he's a fighter. He will stand there and he will fight with you, which he did with you know, you know, against you know, Marius Breeders and, and people like that. You know, he is not going to run, he's going to stand there and fight and trade. Uh, if he's going to have to take punishment, so be it, it doesn't matter, but that's what he'll do. Eventually, he'll make small adjustments as he does do as he did with Breedus as well, and started walking Breedus down, uh, pressurizing Breedus, you know, totally changed his tactics in the back end of the fight. Um, and that was very impressive. Um, kind of an elongated sort of description, but um, just, a, just a brilliant fighter, you know, can be number one, number two, number three. Uh, and maybe no lower than that, but um, yes, and uh, man, great points because, like you said, you you just mentioned his fight against Bridis and a fight that was similar in a way to that fight was his fight against Bellew, where despite him looking amazing on his back foot, um, 
switching in between mid and long ranges using his footwork and timing excellent timing uh, <clears throat> he's able to like they say duke it out you know when when he needs to and that's that's something that i do find impressive as well uh skill wise very i mean not not very good excellent fighter now yeah he like you said not only a long range fighter but he would spend a lot of time most of the time at mid and short uh sorry mid and long range and he does a wonderful job switching in, in between those two ranges um now the task that he has in front of him is very big because also and i was speaking about this one to you the was it yesterday or two days ago when we talk about Usyk and him moving up to to heavyweights yes it's true that today's heavyweight division and you know that neither me or you are rating this current heavyweights as um amazing division it's there is less skill than there was in the heavy among the heavyweights in the 90s but what makes this jump in uh, in weight class so difficult for uh, Usyk and what would be and why it would be an amazing achievement to become a champion in today's heavyweight division is that because because of the the huge weight difference i mean derek chisora was 40 pounds heavier than him and it was very visible in the ring um so he really has to 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 overcome a lot in in order to to become a champion uh, plus yeah you spoke about him being a road warrior i mean i mean every time anyone talks about to seek has to to mention it because it's a great accomplishment from uh, uh, destroying schooling glavatsky in in the middle of poland then uh, beating michael hunter uh, hook gassiev bridis and even uh, even tony bellio on their home turfs and even chisora it's really really amazing and uh, what what makes it spe- especially amazing for me is that usikia uh, being in those weight classes either uh, a cruiserweight or heavyweight division anyone can punch can hurt you due to the size of of those guys but usik still is not a real a really destroying power puncher not at all he's more like an accumulation puncher although we saw against Bellio that with, with his timing he can uh, sneak in a pinpoint accurate punch and uh, knock you out but he's not that really big of a puncher so him fighting on the road uh fighting the other champions uh, in their countries it's it's risking a lot because he he doesn't i don't characterize him as, as someone having a one punch ko power uh, although that fight against Bellu kind of contradicts me but i explained why so it 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 puts him at at an even bigger risk of being robbed 
because he cannot necessarily rely on his punching power. So even if he outboxes the shit out of those boxers, he risks uh, getting robbed. And uh, we saw it with scorecards against Chizora. Even Bridis, because that fight against Bridis was extremely close fight. And uh, Bridis, without any doubt, well, he made it to our top 10 pound for pound list. So it tells you how good of a fighter he is. But oh, I already forgot what I wanted to say. And to <laughs> no, be but... fair, official, Bridis was very honest in, in admitting that Usyk had actually beaten him as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, big, uh, big credit to to British in that case. Yeah, I mean, to to me, yeah, Usyk was struggling against him, but still won eight clear rounds. In my opinion, I could even see it uh, because there were many close rounds. I I could even give uh, Usyk nine rounds in that in that fight, which doesn't describe uh, the fight accurately because many of the rounds were close. But yeah, to, to me, it's probably I would say it's it's the single best victory that that he had because British is hell of a fighter. But it's it's even it's it's tough to choose uh, because between Gastiev or even between Chizora now a much heavier guy and uh, being fucked over by by Matchroom having the deck stacked against him uh, not that easy neither but yeah me I mean look the tournament that he won at cruiserweight at the time uh, when the cruiserweight division was probably if not the best, one of two or three best weight classes in boxing with with two seeking gas here in it. Um, and I do think that he made such uh, such an easy job of Gassiev that people started uh, underrating Gassiev. They started talking about uh, Gassiev being flat-footed and uh, while Gassiev, well, yeah, he he's far away from having the best fo- footwork in the game. Um, that is not uh, one of his stronger points, but he's extremely very talented cruiserweight, uh, now heavyweight too, very good boxer, another one with uh, amazing punching power, one of the very hardest, hardest hitters in boxing. So... Um, Schoolman that way in Moscow also also speaks a lot speaks speaks tons of uh, of Usyk. Uh, yeah, especially, now, especially yeah. given especially at at that time as well when the Russian Federation had annexed Crimea using the Wagner Group without even firing a single shot. So there was a hell of a lot of. Tensions. Yeah, so for Usyk to go over there and, and win win the undisputed and take Gassiev's undefeated streak as well and put on a devastating performance, so much as you mentioned to the extent where people start being overcritical of Murat Gassiev and saying that he's overhyped but not acknowledging that it was a master boxer who made him look ordinary that night. That's not a reflection of what Gassiev is. 
because you you only have to look at what he did against Junior Dolticos before how he fought a completely different fighter. How he was able to take a heavier punches, take the sting away from his take the sting off his punches by being elusive on up against the ropes, starting counter punching him a little bit. You know, Gasiev has so much ability. Is one of the best front foot counter punches walking forward in terms of a pressure fighter that you'll see. And I think we'll see a lot more evidence of it at heavyweight as Gasiev is still very young. So I think in, in future, officially, that, that, that absolute schooling of a Gasiev will look significantly better. Yes, yes, great point. I mean, Gasiev is what, 26? maybe 27 at the most and uh, yeah he's, people are going to see uh, uh, what hell of a fighter he is I mean just just wait and see but um, yeah what, what I was trying to say about that fight yeah it's true that footwork is not his biggest weapon uh, and um contrasted to to Usyk's footwork, which is one of his biggest weapons. So, yeah, it's clear that uh, style-wise, um, Gassiev's style was very easy for, um, for um, Usyk to fight, but it doesn't mean that <laughs> Gassiev is overhyped or anything like that. He's, he's very good, and uh, I cannot see... Us wait to to see more of him hopefully he gets back um, and is able to to stay injury free and i do think that he can accomplish a lot of things in the head <clears throat> excuse me please in the heavyweight division and uh, yeah look look the other guys that that he, he fought even the guys that not a lot of people are mentioning like uh Machuno, who's who's a Kabiza Makuno Makuno thank you uh he's uh, he's very tricky fighter and not easy to to land on, and that's also why Usyk was struggling against him. But uh, speaking about Usyk and him being a road warrior, he also beat Michael Hunter in uh, well in the U.S. And uh, Michael Hunter was able to trouble him in the first three or four rounds, but after that it was all over. Uh, and uh, Usyk, uh, well. He was saved by the referee, but to his own detriment. I mean, uh, the punishment that he was taking as a young fi fighter against Tusik was was completely unnecessary because the referee wanted to allow him to to continue, didn't want to to stop the fight, but the punches that he was taking were were brutal. Yeah. Um, and so my last point about Usyk would be that I heard uh, I heard a lot of retarded things that people are saying that um, the the reasons they are giving for him not fighting AJ. First of all, um, um, when when I take Usyk's style into consideration and him being the small fight. Uh, 
a small fighter in this current heavyweight division and that just like Lomachenko he's struggling with the injuries and uh, we don't know for for how long will he would he be able to to stay healthy and injury free uh, because his his uh, his body is breaking down too, uh, maybe not at the same rate as uh, Lomachenko's, but there are things to to make you to make you be worried for Usyk. So definitely he has to to grab the first possible chance to to fight uh, AJ or, or uh, any other title holder for for the belt. Because the more time passes, it would be more difficult for him. Um, he relies on his timing, his footwork, his his speed is making a big, huge difference in his fights. So um, I'm just hoping for him not to not to waste it. And of course, it's not his his. Uh, it would not be his uh, fault because he's the one willing to fight them all. Uh, but like you beautifully explained already in the previous podcasts, the way uh, Eddie Hearn tried to fuck him over, you see that people are not willing to 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 put uh, to put uh, their fighters, their champions in the ring against Usyk, uh, and people are seeing the retarded things like he should wait, he should. Take uh, step away money. It's it's a, it's a complete nonsense because uh, this Absolutely. is the best for for him to to fight for the title. I mean, man, I I even wanted to to make a separate video just to to shit all over the things, all over the nonsense that people are saying about Usyk and him fighting AJ. Uh, let me just tell you, I'm, I'm not saying that I would not give AJ a chance to, to beat him, but many people are underrating the chances of Usyk to beat AJ because, in fact, I would, uh, I would even favor him against, against AJ now. Of course, uh, I would... I would be worried indeed about because of AJ's power and uh, him countering him with something huge. But if if there was a time for him to 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 fight for the heavyweight title, it's right now as soon as possible. Because if if you want to talk about him needing to prepare to 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 get accustomed to to the power of the heavyweights. Man, if he's not already, if he's not ready to take their power now, he will never be ready. And he's he's been uh, Vladimir Klitschko's sparring partner, chief sparring partner for for years. Notably, uh, came to prominence as his sparring partner for the fight against um, what's the Brit? Belly. Uh, no, 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 no. When uh, Klitschko was fighting uh, David Hay, David Hay, and so yeah, he, he spent a lot of training camps with with Klitschko. He he was able to to spar and box with with many heavyweights before uh, his semi-pro amateur career. But also, uh, um, speaking of Gassiev, 
he's a, he's a heavyweight now, and anyways, he he already punched even at in the cruiserweight division, he was punching like a heavyweight. So, yeah, I'm not saying that uh, nobody is going to to knock Usyk out. Uh, there are a few people that, in my opinion, are more than able to 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 stop him in, at the heavyweight division, but uh, people are just talking nonsense uh, there's there's no way uh, if he's not ready now to, to to take that power that he will be ready to, to to take it any better later official you're you're gonna have to take the reins of the show for number two and one I, I have to step out now oh okay yeah oh man it's, it's a bit of a I've got a bit of a family situation, so hopefully I'll be back in a little bit, but um, yeah, there's only the top two spots, so uh, hopefully I'll be back, but I'll, I'll leave now, yeah, temporarily. Okay, okay. Uh, no worries. Take your time if, if you're able to come back. Yeah, okay. yeah so... Okay, uh, right before going to to the next one, to number two, let me just go through the chat room because I missed a couple of messages by Andre Rodriguez. Uh, thank you for your words. I follow your channel. I write, I write a lot in here and since you're very interactive with the chat that makes easy for all of us to transmit our thoughts. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm trying to to to, um, to give some time to the to the chat room as well as most of the time. It's it's not easy because uh, corruption and and myself are we are talking nonstop. But yeah, it's it's always a pleasure. To, to talk with people in the chat, especially, see, there is you and a couple of other people that I never knew from uh, from the other chat rooms and boxing streams that that they found out that I enjoy talking with about unboxing, you know, unboxing topics. So, yeah, it's a pleasure. Uh, Andre is also saying Usyk in the heavyweights was the necessary move for him because the cruiserweight was more than done. He put such a stamp on it <laughs> that to stay there was pointless. I got it, but he can now have the heavyweight career of Bob Foster or Spinks. It's going to be interesting at least. Bob Foster was the last super light heavyweight before the creation of the cruiserweight division and went occasionally to the heavyweights but he belonged in such an era that he had to get back to his weight class Spink was the opposite he moved up with great success in a completely different era now is Usyk let's wait he will pass for so much adjustments that predicting good or bad is impossible yeah 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 Andre I would say so um we cannot know. I mean, it depends also. I would not fully agree with you on that one personally. Because I see no reasons from the technical uh, standpoint and uh, his skills. 
he is more than able to to outclass them all when it comes all but maybe fury but it's thanks to to fury's size and strength the the only thing is how how he's gonna how would be usik how how usik would be able to how how good would he be able to look against against guys who are really huge punchers and i mean yeah there there are always questions but especially if if he gets a fighter if if he's fighting a fighter who who would be uncomfortable for him style wise uh, someone who because look if if you're talking about only about the punching power of his possible opponents it's not such a big deal for me yeah he risks he risks getting stopped by them like against Joshua but i'm i would say i i'm pretty much confident about how 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 good he would be able to to perform against Joshua because Joshua is a huge puncher but is not uh, physical now against Chisora for example he's the case of uh, of a physical fighter you know who who really made him uh, uncomfortable a couple of times and plus if you add to that all the things that Uzi had to overcome outside of the ring with with the matchroom Eddie Hearn and uh, everything being set against Alexander Usyk he performed very well and yeah nowhere near his best in my opinion he could do better but i was impressed uh, with with all being said with everything he had against him i was impressed with that performance in some sense <clears throat> um, yeah yeah for sure ivander uh, B space asking me official what do you think of AJ's mental strength does it look good to you with the skills of Usyk the mental of AJ is another thing that makes me think Usyk will win yes i i do agree with you B space uh, i do personally agree because I, I do, well i mean i'm sure that corruption would agree with me but AJ it's it's funny he's uh, deep inside of him he's a cocky dude and uh, really a really proud fighter but at the same and, and that's why even in the rematch against Ruiz he was trying from time to time to step in the pocket against Ruiz <laughs> even despite that being very risky for him but uh, being that he's so prideful, he AJ tried to step in the pocket even in the rematch against Ruiz, but every time he would do so, I saw him being being very worried and um, not being confident. Every time in the pocket, I see him uh, lacking confidence. Now, 
even even against um, against Pulev, I was I was I don't know why so many people were impressed with that performance by AG, but me it was it was contrary for me. I was so disappointed, and I thought that AJ was looking was looking very bad. And uh, yeah, it's not like that. What's his name? That Pulev was able to to um, hold on. Give me just a second. Hold on, sorry guys. Yeah, sorry for that. I'm back. Yeah, but uh, anyways, B-Space, what I wanted to say is that every time I see him in the pocket, he's looking uncomfortable. Now, Pulev was not very sharp and uh, wasn't really able to do a lot in the pocket. Plus, he's slow, so he didn't have the right tools to worry AJ. While Usyk, although he, he probably lacks uh, the punching power, at least in some sense, he can he can stop him very easily. Especially since uh, AJ is not accustomed to to fighting at uh, the, the same uh, same intensity as Usyk is used to. So he can easily stop him by the accumulation of punches and making him tired. And uh, in the pocket, I mean, what's his name? Usyk will not fight at short range in the pocket. But when I'm saying fighting AJ in the pocket, I mean at mid-range. He would easily go in and out and uh, he will. he would have much quicker hands in my opinion. And uh, plus, he has the accuracy, so when AJ gets tired, I, I could see, see him stopping AJ. So, so yeah, I do think he would make uh, AJ extremely uncomfortable in the pocket, and uh, he will make him panic, because I already saw him panicking, uh, even in the rematch. And the way he was fighting against Pulev was he was fighting in a very cautious manner. So it was telling me that, that he's worried that he's not looking to, to look great, but rather make sure uh, that he doesn't get knocked out. And that's why he, that's how he, he was showing a lack of confidence. So yeah, I do agree with you. Uh, B-Space also saying Usyk kind of puts mental pressure just by his constant constant moves, making the enemy have to adjust. Yeah. Okay, so we're about to go to 
to number two of our pound for pound list. Let me just take a sip of water. Hold on just a second, please. <clears throat> Sorry for that. I'm back. So we had Usik number three. Okay, let me let me remind you of the list. Number ten, Estrada. Nine, Bridis. Eight, Baturbiev. Seven, Golovkin. Six, Taylor. Five, Gonzalez. Chocolatito Gonzalez for Ioka, three Usik, and uh, number two Vasily Lomachenko. <laughs> I know for a fact that many of you, many of you are going to dislike us placing Loma at number two, <clears throat> but there is very, very. Uh, a very easy explanation. Yeah, so like corruption and uh, myself already told you, we are not uh, basing our lists on the official results. Just the same way we had Golovkin, or at least me, myself, I had Golovkin beating Canelo both times. Also, I didn't think that Teofimo Lopez won that fight. Now, I'm still giving credit to Teofimo Lopez for um, having such a good performance against Loma. But there are other, other things that, that should have been taken into consideration. Yeah, first of all, I personally scored the fight 7-5 to five for Loma. And uh, I would be more than okay with, uh, with a draw. But also, I could understand people scoring at 7-5 to five for Teofimo. Although, I would say those people, in my personal opinion, are not paying attention to 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 the landed punches and those who uh, that were that were blocked by Loma, because many of them, many of Teofimo's punches, Loma was blocking easily. And uh, if anyone put a beating on anyone, I would say it was Loma. Um, plus, uh, he was fighting a much bigger fighter, so. If Teofimo was so great to to be put on a pound for pound list, then he should have uh, beaten up Loma. It's it's simple as that. Um, another thing about Loma, and I don't know what's what is corruption's opinion on him but me myself i i already told them <clears throat> excuse me please i don't think that loma had a 
really fantastic victories, but it's uh, it's a fact that he's him being a much smaller fighter, fighting much bigger guys, has to count for something, and the way he's uh, disposing of them, he doesn't have punching power. And uh, he's a really small in stature, so him fighting at 135 or even in 130, because uh, understand this point, if he started his pro career at, let's say, 18, 19, 20 years old, he would be remembered as a career 126-pounder. So... That's that's what people are failing to realize. Uh, I mean, uh, let me go to his uh, to his box rack. All right, I'm temporarily back. <laughs> go on, Loma. <laughs> All right, you're on Loma Chica. Okay, so a freeweight world champion, the fastest in history to that achievement, unified at lightweight. And as official, I'm sure, has already remonstrated, two highly controversial decisions in, in terms of the losses. Now, Vasily should absolutely be, un, should be undefeated. The... the, the the first loss to Orlando Salida, and it, it's kind of this this kind of love-hate relationship with Vasily and, and sort of Bob Arum, who Vasily has very much been his political pawn. Now, the first loss to Orlando Salida in his second professional fight, why do, you, why do you think, you know, top rank went ahead with, with that specific decision? That was very much to kind of break the mold of Vasilis being an amateur fighter and to kind of give him a wake-up call and to try and mold him into a professional fighter straight away. So it was a the harshest of lessons that was instilled upon him. Um, they really wanted to change his style fundamentally and to try and calibrate him, almost induce him with him suffering a defeat with Salido into making him a fan-friendly, exciting knockout puncher that will kind of appeal to US boxing audiences, given that he's, you know, he's a Ukrainian. So it's almost difficult in as it is to try and captivate US audiences. But given that the, the equity that he built up from being one of the most decorated amateurs of all time. So you already had that reputation, but making the transition is, is not easy, uh, especially for a fighter with, with, with we all know, with, with, with the kind of boxing acumen and, and the kind of style that Vasily has. Uh, so, so the Salido loss was, but even despite the loss, you could see Vasily almost having that education within the fight, and you saw what he did in in the, the sort of especially the four latter rounds with 
any fighter who has the ability to take that that amount of low punches from a much heavier fighter and remember a guy who intentionally came in heavier sacrificed his title on the scale just to have that numerical physical advantage and to try and use all of the mexican roughhouse inside tactics which solido is just and you, you kind of have a love for solido as well you know he's he's just ruthlessly dirty and whatever but you kind of love him and appreciate him for that but you know the referee tolerated it and uh you know vasily had to endure that and for him to still come back and and put a beating on 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 lando in the later half so you you kind of saw vasily almost having that having that realization in the fight that you know fuck me you know this is completely different to the to the free five round fights that i'm used to before and hence this is what i'm going to have to do in going forward so um unfortunately for him that was pop that was top rank you know they they decided to do that to him very early so he learned and he and he came back and look who threw in his next fight against you know gary russell who is still considered number one at featherweight now and you know the boxing masterclass that he put on against him a guy that, against a fighter who not only had comparable speed hand speed combination punching but arguably was even faster a very good fighter gary russell and, we, and he's proved it over the years uh but um what vasily showed in that fight and the adjustments he made and the different style that he implemented you know targeting you know gary russell's body you know put on the clinique instead of body punching in that fight um but he's what can you say i mean he's he, he's done it all and we, we got to remember this is a guy who's based his career in the united states so he's sacrificed you know he's made the hard sacrifice of leaving you know ukraine leaving you know ukraine and, and and fighting in the united states and learning a new language and sort of acclimating to life so very difficult challenges but um unfortunately for vasily he he, he was forced due to the indifference of fighters especially at the pbc you're not willing to step into the ring with him uh so hence he's had to he's had to keep moving up in weight and fight against fighters who top rank were able to make and against so many fighters and he's retired them. he's given them comprehensive beatings uh he's put on scintillating performances as well stylistically um beaten linear champions he's beaten world champions in his first fight moving up to lightweight so he's done what he's can what you know what he's what he's had to do unfortunately uh, um other fighters weren't willing to unify titles with him we saw leo santa cruz weren't willing to do so um giovanni tank davis already expressed no desire to get into the ring with him so it's been a frustrating path so what was silly has had to do is had to keep going up and up in weight until he's able to fight challenges against fighters who are willing to step into the ring and perhaps even unify with him so unfortunately uh hence the reason why he wasn't able to unify at both at, at feather and super featherweight 
And the only unifications he could actually have was that, you know, at lightweight, um, being an only sort of, you know, five, 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 six, you know, I've been very close to him. He's not five, seven. Uh, um, he's ran into fighters who, unfortunately, are much bigger than him. But so he he's had to compensate the adversity of fighting against those bigger fighters by by using more. Um, he he's had to adapt and had to change his his, his boxing style and his of approach and. He's been getting, you know, knockout victories against him. So that you know, the power has not not necessarily dissipated. Um, maybe he hasn't improved significantly, but a little bit of, you know, a little bit of degradation certainly in his flexibility. Uh, um, maybe his 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 punch output as well has has kind of, but. You can kind of adapt when you're, you know, when you when you had when you're having to compensate for some disadvantages. So he's he's kind of you know transitioned as we saw with Manny Pacquiao as well. But that's not that's not been too much, I think, to his detriment. But um, with the Tiafima Lopez fight, and uh, it, it, it's it's kind of really annoying that we keep having to go over and over it. Um, a draw at, at at the very best would have been at the at the very well at the, at the worst would have been you know the, the correct decision and I'm not even going to try and um, give our reasons for that because we we've done it in 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 so many um, so many video projects that we've sort of uploaded and 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 talked about and done the scoring and done screenshots etc so. Um, we're not going to sit here and and try and defend just the stupidity of people who who claim that they have that they have some sort of ability in scoring fights when they clearly do not have. Um, uh, they don't. They cannot differentiate between you know blocked punches and and uh, clean punches and uh, it's it kind of you know it's just it's just a permanent annoying subject that we just happen to keep talking about but at least ours at least when we're trying to sort of vindicate our reasons that at least we know that a that a lot of people when they've gone back and scored the fight or even straight away you know some really good great minds a lot of those fighters had felt that you know you know lopez did not win the fight maybe the fight was a draw so vasili really should have kept his titles uh all right, fine. Run it back, have a rematch, and and settle it. But at the very least, you know, Vasily didn't 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 lose the fight in in, and uh, and I think a lot of people do agree with that. Uh, so, um, and if you factor in injuries, which Vasily clearly did have, which you know Vada have more or less corroborated as well, uh, what does that say about Tiafima Lopez, who people? Had pretty much all prognosticated that he would be knocking out Vasily. So if 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 Tiafimo hasn't fulfilled the expectations of of the of the Vida, of the of which was the general consensus, then surely Vasily has surpassed the expectations of most people. But not only not being knocked out, but 
by dominating his opponent during the second half of the fight. And if if anybody was close to stopping, it was Vasily, you know, very close to stopping Tiafima Lopez, who was what ten years younger, significantly bigger, freshness, no wear and tear, no mileage on the clock. Um, a much bigger puncher, heavier handed. Um, I don't know. So, fuck all of the, you know, fuck all of the, uh, the, the politics and the BS, and we're not, we're not really interested in any of that nonsense. Um, top rank Bob Arum clearly wanted a changing of the guard at lightweight. Maybe Bob Arum uh, felt that Vasily's, you know, physical degradation was perhaps now you know a major factor in going forward and he wanted and he had already a fighter who who kind of ticked all of the boxes for him in going forward in uh you know an american fighter you know let's not go with this honduras nonsense he's 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 born and bred brooklyn a lot of his boxing acumen was 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 took place over in florida so he's he's very much a a New Yorker or a Floridian, whatever you want it, um, but still appeals, you know, to the Latin American Latin American community. So, kind of a kind of a sort of perfect mold in in what Felix Verdeo was was very much supposed to have been. So, in that void, uh, top rank saw um, Tiafima Lopez as be, being the heir apparent and going forward, and so therefore they decided to. To go with him and and you know pull the plug on Vasily and uh and now uh Vasily is being you know frozen out and it's kind of ironic that you know Lopez doesn't even want to entertain the even the idea of a rematch um talking about how Vasily has been uh, you know bad mouthing him which 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 makes no sense whatsoever you know all of that any sort of bad blood and animosity was before the fight. I don't recall anything subsequent. It's only Vasily talking about, you know, the judges and trying to exercise some sort of any any negativity he had regarding, you know, one of the judges, or whatever. But I think it's justifiable. You can't you can't justify some of those scorecards whatsoever. They don't make any any sort of logical sense, even if you break them down round by round. So, overall, um, one and two are interchangeable. Uh, Vasily, one of the best fighters of all time, uh, one of the best amateurs of all time, um, having deal with, having to deal with so much um, political upheaval, having to deal with the fact that he is, he is a Russian-speaking Ukrainian trying to win the hearts and minds of boxing fans and everybody else in the United States. People incorrectly, you know, assuming that he's he's had the benefit of a heavyweight promoter behind him and he's had all of the, the advantages and been able to fight for world championships very early, but not realizing that, no, he didn't. Uh, he had to have won a, a fringe WBO title in his first professional fight that gave him the ranking points to, to to fight for the WBO championship in his second fight. So, and it's not unprecedented, you know. Pete Rademacher, you know, the Olympic champion, fought um, 
fought um, fought uh, for a world championship fight in his first professional fight. So, for, for, so what Vasily was trying to do, some people think it's unprecedented. No, it's not. You know, other people have done it there and then in the past. Uh, so, uh, a lot of a lot of sort of premise conceptions as well. But overall, I think Vasily Lomachenko, a deserved person. You know, at you know number two. Maybe even interchangeable at number one. Yes, you, you know what? Um, yeah, since when the bad blood is not the reason to have a rematch, I thought that it should be one more reason to, to have a rematch, to, to beat up uh, an opponent who, who hates you or you hate. So it's it's an answer. But what I wanted to say about Vasily, he he doesn't have some huge name on his resume. Although uh, there are there are a lot of good fighters. First of all, Nicholas Walters. People already forgot uh, how high in regards of most of the boxing fans Walters was up till that fight, and um, what what type of schooling he got from from Lomachenko. Then even Guillermo Rigondel, okay, it was it was a fight where uh, Vasily was the bigger guy, but <laughs> he never employed his uh, physical superiority in that fight against Rigondel. And if you go and rewatch the fight, go rewatch um, uh, in between the rounds two and three, I believe, or in between three and four, <laughs> Vasily's father is even screaming at him, don't punch him hard, don't punch him hard. <laughs> so don't use your power. So, it, And the people still, despite that uh, difference in... In waiting size in between Rigondeaux and the Loma, we're still confidently picking Rigondeaux to, let me quote them, to break his his jaw. Um, then when he moved up to 135, see to me for Lomachenko, Linares and Pedraza are both excellent victories, uh, despite them not being. A plus level fighters. It's it's because Lomachenko was never a huge power puncher. Sure, same like Usyk, he can uh, knock you out when when he catches you with a well timed punch, with a punch that you don't see. Uh, but other than that, he's not a power puncher, and uh, both of them uh, struggle against power punchers, but are really beautiful boxers to watch. Uh, really, both of them smooth boxers. And Pedraza, even now, since he moved up to 140, he's he's looking better than ever because it's clear that he was training himself too much at the lower weight classes. So being able to 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 beat to beat both of them, Linares and Pedraza, in a such a way. As a as a fighter who's not uh, a real power puncher is is very impressive to me, uh, and plus on top of that, what he was able to to do against Lopez in the second half. Plus, we we already spoke a lot about that fight, so I don't want to to add anything. But that's that's the way I see it. But not to me. After all, I'm. Uh, 
at this point, I would not, uh, personally, I would not put Loma at number one. He was at my number one spot. But now we have another number one pound for pound corruption. Oh, okay. Uh, it looks like corruption is not here. <clears throat> we'll wait and see if he if he joins in. But anyways, yeah. Let's go to number one. Uh, hold on. Now, yeah, the monster Inoue. Okay, let me go to his box rack. Just so I can, I can, I can go through a couple of his fights. Yeah, so Inoue, he's uh, he's uh, in a kind of different uh, different place than Lomachenko. Uh, when it comes to Lomachenko, we we spoke about him, someone who's uh, who's fighting in the weight classes above his natural weight. Now, I do think that bantamweight is uh, is the right uh, weight for Inoue, where he's not undersized. And uh, I do personally believe, and I'm very adamant about it, that in the previous weight classes, he was the one who was... Um, bigger than his opponents so that's why also beating for example omar narvaez at uh, what was that 108 or 115 um, narvaez who who has a record for the most title defenses in boxing history i mean it's equal he's equal with chavez senior when it comes to to title defenses but the reason for me that 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 victory was not really impressive to me is that now he was uh, much bigger than him, and so it was it was not a surprise at all to me that he was able to beat him. And uh, Inoue is also someone who who really reminds me of Pacquiao. Uh, not uh, not because of his fighting style, but uh, of his uh, of the way his uh, his pro career is going at least for now. And what I mean by that is that he started like uh, he started young as a very big guy and uh, since he was very young he was able to rehydrate and uh, begin uh, at uh, light flyweight at, at 108 and then move up through uh, through divisions now hold on yeah so i'm saying he's not like uh, he 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 hasn't come to the point where like Pacquiao to finally go up above his own natural weight class, but since he's twenty seven years old, I can't expect him to to move uh, one or two more divisions in in his career, even maybe 
maybe maybe even three but but for for now i would say that the bantamweight division is his natural division and so everything is fair here and the way he's looking is amazing almost unbeatable um just like uh, Beterbiev is looking all, almost unbeatable at his weight class, like Golovkin used to look at, at in his prime at middleweight, or Usyk at cruiserweight. This is the same way Inoue is looking to me, although even even more impressive. Uh, very good footwork, very quick both his feet and hands one of the most explosive fighters today um, hold on yeah and um, I do think that his his bantamweight run is extremely impressive uh, okay beating Jamie McDonald and even uh, Johan Boyo wasn't really amazing to me, but take a look at Juan Carlos Payano, who's uh, who's a very very tricky veteran and very skilled boxer. Uh, even today, right now, he's giving he's giving problems to top level boxers. So the way he disposed of him was impressive. Uh, so it tells you that. It tells you just how dominant uh, Maui Inoue is, and that he's one of the very best, uh, one of the biggest punchers, pound in a, in a pound for pound sense. Uh, his Payano is very tough, very durable, and extremely good boxer in my opinion. Very tricky, like I told you. Uh, but not only that, in half finals of the WBSS tournament. He he beat Emmanuel Manny Rodriguez, who's who's an excellent talent in my opinion. And Corruption and myself already spoke about him in the previous uh, in the previous episodes of the Coup d'état of boxing. And unfortunately, that uh, his fight against um, Nunito Donner got cancelled. That then he got dropped. Uh, but extremely, extremely talented fighter. And uh, yeah, Inoue disposed of him in two rounds. So I don't want people to, to underrate Rodriguez and ever say that he's a hype job because it would look, that situation would look uh, very similar to what people were saying about, about Murat Gassiev after... Uh, after him getting getting dominated by Usyk, because trust me, Emmanuel Rodriguez is is an excellent talent and fantastic fighter, and uh, so beating him up that way, uh, disposing of him, is extremely exp um, impressive. Hold on. Uh, yeah, what what else could I say about him? 
of course, Donner. Donner, by the time he he faced Inoue, was was already a veteran, but a very good one. And since he moved back down to bantamweight, he was uh, he was very tough and uh, looking extremely good. So, and especially in that fight, in that final fight, which was one of the best fights of that year. Corruption has it as the absolute best fight of the year. I would say either that one or uh, Progre versus Taylor. But yeah, Donaire's uh, performance in that fight was impressive as well. Um, really, he, he was really trying to... to uh, like Corruption said about... Um, the previous fighter about uh, what Ioka was doing to Tanaka, same way Donner tried to to all the man Inoue, and uh, he showed a lot of ring IQ. In fact, both of them showed uh, excellent ring IQs, both of them Inoue and Donner, because they were constantly able to to adapt to each other's. Uh, moves and changes so they were interchangeably adapting to to each other uh, Donner would make uh, Donner would change something and then start winning winning the fight winning winning the round then Inoue would adapt to it then over to Donner and back to Inoue and then, uh, well, Donner being old and fighting in such a taxing fight, physically wise, uh, well, Inoue made the difference. And by the way, that that left hook, that counter left hook from Donner, which was beautifully timed in the second round, from the second round on. Inoue fought with uh, with a broken orbital bone and was seen double throughout the whole fight since since that punch, that left hook that uh, that he took from Donaire in the second round. It tells you about his chin, about his toughness. So it tells you that not only Inoue has possessed an excellent, unbelievable punching power and explosiveness, but also that he's extremely tough and durable, which is not surprise with with the Japanese fighters. So clearly, an iron chin from uh, he displayed an iron chin in that fight anyway. And then he went on to to fight Jason Maloney. It was in the October of the previous year, in 2020, his very last fight. It was it was another very 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 good victory for Ainue because Maloney's both of the Maloney brothers' res, recent signings to top rank are very solid fighters. Both of them talented. Jason is is the one who's more talented out of two brothers, but. Inoue showcased amazing speed, timing against him, explosiveness, and stop him in the in the seventh round of their fight. So yes, that's another victory that should be highly rated. Um, 
Now, uh, he should fight in April of this year. Hopefully, that fight happens against uh, against uh, Marinas. So, I'm looking forward to seeing him back in the ring because, to me, he's clearly number one pound for pound. Um, what he's uh, showcasing in this current division against uh, an, an excellent opposition in uh, Rodriguez, in Donaire, and even uh, Maloney and Juan Carlos Payano. Those are top class. All of them for victories are top class victories for, um, for Inoue, no doubt. Uh, yeah, so... To me, he's uh, he's showcasing the level of dominance in his weight class more than any other fighter is currently doing. And keep in mind that to me, it's one of the best weight classes in boxing. Uh, so yeah, and uh, we are not only talking about his skills, which are on a very high level. I would say his uh, his physical talent, his foot and hand speed, as well as explosiveness and punching power, are uh, top notch. Uh, in a pound for pound sense, no one, probably no one, is better than him. Uh, his defense may be a bit better. I saw him that he's vulnerable to counter punches, not only because of the counter punch that. Nonito Donaire was able to land against him in the second round and many others that he was landing on him. In fact, Donaire was landing a lot of overhand rights on him, counter overhand rights. Uh, that's also why uh, it was an excellent performance from Donaire, in my opinion. But also Maloney, he was not really able to, to hurt Inoue at all, but I saw him being able to, to counter in between Naoya Inoue's punches. And uh, if it was someone with with uh, a better punching power, Inoue may be in trouble. So yeah, he's not perfect. No, no fighter is perfect. But no one is currently at the level of Inoue in my opinion, and probably in corruptions too. Uh, by the way, big up to to Diego Bandido. He's saying, yeah, Inoue has proven himself. He deserves to be at the top pound for pound, iron chin and iron will. Exactly, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's, that's what I'm saying as well. Um, Diego is saying, don't be surprised if the Casimero fight happened instead of the Das Marinas fight. No shit. Fuck. Man, that that would be a fight. And by the way, I, I believe Diego because when it comes to, to any information about the Asian, the Filipino fighters, he's the one who, who I would trust. So, yeah, I, I'm hoping that fight gets re, um, gets signed.
because I was I was really disappointed that it was not happening because it was supposed to happen as a as a unification fight and uh, Casimero is another one who who really is uh, was one of the contenders for for this pound for pound list but yeah like I told you there was about 20 20 or even more names that that me or corruption were considering for uh, for this pound for pound list but they didn't make it but amazing fighter in Casimero if that fight happens first of all it would be an amazing fight fire fire firefight and anybody who who knows how Casimero fights and knows how Inoue fights knows that it 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 just couldn't be anything less than a, than a fire fight plus Casimero is he's uh, what three or not even three four division weight champion right so it tells you everything but hold on yeah, so it would be it would be a huge gift to, to all the boxing fans if if we are able to to see that fight in between now Inoue and John Real Casimero soon. And by the way, big up to, to Diego for another reason is is that he was the one uh, making me aware of uh, of Casimero because I was sleeping on him for uh, for a long time. Then uh, when he started talking to me about Casimero, I was I was really impressed, and he's he's another guy that 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 is fighting about his natural weight class. He's in his fourth weight class, if I'm not wrong. So uh, so yeah, and what he's able to, what he's currently accomplishing. In uh, in this current weight class, is is formidable. He's knocked out against uh, the title list. He won his title from Zolani Tete. Uh, he's he's an, plus he's another quick and explosive fighter. <sighs> yeah, so. Let me mention the names that uh, I will mention the names that didn't make the list that either corruption or myself were considering, but also some names that that uh, other people are putting on their top li- on their pound for pound lists, but we ignore them. Uh, just give me a second. Yeah. Okay, thanks to Diego because I was I was answering to his uh, to his private message on uh, on Discord, 
Yeah, so basically he's writing me on Discord saying that it's up to Sean Gibbons, who's uh, working with Pacquiao Promotions. Uh, it looks like uh, Inoue facing Das Marinas won't happen. Uh, so they If this happens, it would be crazy. I mean, we've been waiting on, on that fight in between Casimero and Inoue for a long time. Expect not nothing less than a firefight. But yeah, let's go to, to the names that we ended up not including to our top list or the names that many other people are including to their top lists, but not ourselves. So... Spence, to me, in my opinion, very, very good fighter, very solid fighter, kind of can, can do, he, he's a, he's a well-rounded fighter, and uh, being that he's big, he's durable and tough, can take a punch, really solid fighter, but the skills he's uh, displaying are not on the level of of these other fighters that we included in our top 10. Um, it's crazy to me how he's been put over Usyk, over many, any, any fighter that we included on our top list. Um, plus the Walter with division is vastly overrated. Not not even amongst the best five divisions, five five best current weight divisions in boxing, not at all. Um, hold on. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, he's um, he's a fun, friendly fighter. Uh, his punching output and his endurance is. Um, is impressive to me, as well as his basic defense. Uh, you can say that he's a very well-schooled fighter. He keeps his guard up, very disciplined defense, very disciplined high guard, can, can move very well. Uh, I do like Spence, but man, the, the, way, the way people are overrating him is incredible, at least to me. Um, there is one, one fighter that <clears throat> I wanted to include but ended up not including him because he not only he doesn't have a, a great resume but also because it, I don't know how to how to put it together I'm talking about Julio Cesar Martinez. Uh, 
So to me, he's 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 a real powerhouse at one twelve. 112 division, flyweight division. He was supposed to fight uh, Moruti Mutelen, but unfortunately that fight got cancelled. Uh, he is looking extremely impressive. Uh, another huge pound for pound, a uh, huge puncher in a pound for pound sense, really, really destroying anyone you put in front of him so in my opinion Canelo is not even the best fighter in his own gym although I, I do respect Canelo as well and he he's excellent at some things but again man another overrated fighter in my opinion but Martinez yeah and uh, people are talking about Crawford being the best switch hitter in boxing no not as long as Julio Cesar Martinez is there uh, Martinez can switch his stance in the middle of his combos uh, very explosive, very quick huge power amazing explosiveness on that level he's, he's right there with Inoue uh, another extremely extremely explosive fighter and I must see probably the most exciting fighter in boxing today, at least to me. He's uh, he's a must see. The most the most exciting fighter today. Maybe not not yet on our top ten pound for pound list, but the most exciting definitely. Really a joy to watch. Um, plus. People should rate uh, his win over Jay Harris very highly because Jay Harris is uh, is a very talented boxer. Uh, not the best defense. He should work on his defense, but extremely talented off offensive fighter. Very good footwork, ring IQ. By the way, Jay Harris showcased a lot of improvements in the fight against Julio Cesar Martinez. Uh, so, yeah, very talented fighter in Jay Harris. And uh, Julio Cesar Martinez was able to beat him, not by much. And I thought that... Uh, Although I, I I cannot really remember, but I I know I had it extremely close. I thought that it could have been a draw or something like that, or but it was it was excellent performance, and you're missing a lot if if you're not watching Martinez. Uh, he, by the way, he can struggle with uh, with boxers, boxer punchers. Or, and those who are who are boxing in and out with he can struggle with footwork mainly. That's that's what I that's I wanted to say. So but beside that he looks almost unbeatable. And plus if he would if he was to, to move up to one fifteen, man, that <laughs> when you're thinking that that weight class couldn't be any better. It with uh, with Martinez possibly moving up to 115, it would become even three times better than it currently is, and currently it is on fire. Uh, yeah, so 
make sure to watch Julio Cesar Martinez. Uh, wrong we say. Um, well, the last couple of years he's been he's mostly been fighting nobodies and not really looking not really looking great, but it's okay. He, it's normal for him to, to fight to his level uh, to his opponent's level. Um, I thought that he gave Estrada a much better fight than most people are realizing. Uh, underrated performance. He was very cerebral, cerebral sorry, in that fight, in that rematch against Estrada. But yeah, definitely lost it. But to me personally, it was much closer than, than most of the people think. At least I scored, I scored it very close. But yeah, Rungvisai is kind of slowing down. And uh, he was on my pound for pound list up till very recently, but there are uh, other fighters accumulating good victories like uh, Bridis, like Peterbia, um, many others. So, so that's why it was extremely difficult to to fill out the the bottom half of our pound for pound list. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yes, yes, Diego. Rangvisa struggle against Ron Gronk. <laughs> Difficult to pronounce. Um, who else is there? Yeah, Donaire. I mean, just the performance that he gave against Inoue was amazing. He came to the, the finals of the WPSS tournament and uh, was looking sharp on the way to finals. Uh, I mean, there were some talks. I mean, uh, Tete was giving the excuses. An injury as an excuse for not facing, for, for uh, dropping out of that uh, semi-final against Donaire for the WPSS tournament. But it's really debatable. I don't know. Maybe he was injured by, but it looked to a lot of us as if he was attacking Donaire. And man, Donaire would have destroyed him. I mean, uh, huge respect to, to Zolani Tete, really sharp boxer, um, very underrated boxer because of the division he's, uh, he's been competing at, but extremely good and sharp boxer. But yeah, looking at what Donaire was able to accomplish, uh, he would get... He would get schooled, I mean, not schooled, destroyed and stopped by Donaire, in my opinion, without any doubt. And it would just make uh, Donaire's resume better, his recent resume. So, <clears throat> unfortunately for him, uh, for Donaire, they had to, to come up with another opponent, an opponent who would replace Zolani Tete and uh, he knocked him out with a devastating left hook, the legendary left hook. And 
Yeah, and gave Naoya Inoue a broken orbital bone and uh, a hell of a fight, hell of a performance in that WPSS finals. Uh, one interesting name, Jermel Charlo. I wasn't even thinking about him, but uh, it was Corruption who, who brought him up when, while we was creating our list. Um, oh yeah, Diego, uh, he's saying, I, I wanted to see Donair versus Dupali and Manny Rodriguez, shame when he got trapped. Absolutely, any of those two fights. Plus, I I do think he would he would stop Ubali. I mean, Ubali, he's uh, he's hell of a fighter himself, and it would be a very hard fight for uh, for Donair. But I do think that his punching power would have probably made uh, made the difference because that's definitely something that that uh, Donair would have on his side. He's always been known as a huge power puncher, very strong, powerful, um, which is very contrary of, uh, of uh, Nordin Ubali. But Nordin Ubali, hell of a fighter himself. <clears throat> Such a shame that we, we, we were not able to, to see Donair against any of those two guys. And yeah, Donair was pissed off talking about it on Twitter about about the fake positive test and he took uh, took an extra test showing that he was indeed negative and he was complaining but no one wanted to hear about it so it is what it is but yeah uh, corruption brought up uh, Jermel who's um, who's already owning three belts so it's very impressive uh, i would say that jermel just like his brother has probably has an iron chin very tough tough um, quick explosive very physical so he has the strength and the youth on his side physical gifts and uh, definitely, he's he's definitely commanding respect with uh, winning three belts. Um, but oh, and Diego says Casimero thinks Ubali beats Nonito. <laughs> well, to be fair, I haven't done any film studies, so maybe if if I was to make a film study for for a possible Inoue versus, oh, sorry, Ubali versus Nonito Donaire fight, maybe I would change my opinion, but I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, Casimero always has interesting things to say. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah, but I would have to think about it. But another... One more time, back to, to Jermel Charlo. Yeah, it's, it's definitely worth of respect. But see, I knew that uh, his fight against uh, Jason Banana Rosario would be very exciting. 
but corruption and even myself we saw that jason rosario has some real deficiencies that you can sneak a truck in between his punches that he's not that hard to counter that he's wild he's strong and he's a big puncher but not the best possible defense which is contrary to to Jermel, who can i mean his defense neither is not not really that impressive but uh, better than uh, jason rosario's uh, <clears throat> anyways much sharper fighter than him so he was not other than his work rate and punching power he was not supposed to to really trouble Jermel Charlo uh, so I would say it was a nice victory at, at best uh, but nothing impressive same goes for for his two fights against uh, Harrison Harrison who's uh, who's a really wonderful boxer very so lovely pure boxer and counter puncher and uh, can fight on the inside at mid-range and outside but uh, lacks two components um, uh, his chain and stamina and uh, skill for scale harrison was schooling Jermel Charlo in both fights first uh, in the first one he was schooling the shit out of Charlo at long and mid-range in the second one schooling him on the inside so both of these fights were very exciting to, for me especially the second one well the first one not so much if not for uh, for admiring uh, Harrison's skills yeah but he was cut he got khaki and got cut by a great left hook by Jermel charlo but up till that point i had him losing the fight i think that i think that from both fights harrison was winning most of the rounds Till he got knocked out. Oh, by the way, yeah, Diego saying I want to see Jermail versus Team Zoo. Oh, you know what? I'm hearing a lot of good things about Zoo, but I didn't have a chance yet to to see uh, to see his progress. I haven't watch his fights in a long time and since then i've been hearing that he's making a lot of improvements and uh, before his next fight i'm definitely going to to watch all of his fights his recent fights and see it so but but yeah diego in fact a lot of people are commending him for for the improvement that he's making and if that's the case then big shout out to to team zoo uh, but I, I missed on his fights, so I have to watch them. Yeah, definitely, Diego. It's uh, Australia becomes uh, 
an interesting place for the fighters to travel to because uh, these couple of guys like Tinzu before him, um, Horn, or even the Maloney brothers, uh, it makes it puts it would put a lot of asses in the sets. Well, I don't know now with the lockdown, but you get my point. Hold on, guys. Give me just uh, just 20 seconds. I really have to make a pit stop. Yeah, I'm back. Sorry for that. Well, okay, so I have like 10, 10 more names I would like to speak about that we haven't included on our top 10 pound for pound list. Tyson Fury. Okay. So, look, the reason for us not including Tyson Fury is not because... Oh... Are you there, Corruption? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, so I, I'll give you just a quick run through. I already spoke about Inoue and uh, I started, talk, started talking about the fighters that we haven't included on our top 10. So I spoke about um, Errol Spence, Julio Cesar Martinez, Ranguisai Donaire and uh, Jermel, and uh, I was about to talk about Fury. Wow. wow. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised you're still going, official. What are you trying to do, man? You're trying to make the show longer than the Godfather trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just said, fuck it. Uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it all. I'm going to run through some some of the uh, honorable people that we've left out um, for me harito kiyaguchi that'd be one of them two a world champion um his, his career has been a little bit in a little bit frustrating this year but a terrific fighter and uh, has a has so much upside as well exciting fighter um of course he's, he's still Still developing as well to a certain extent, so so the hence you know that the resume is not the best, but 
And it's been kind of frustrating that he's not even unified yet with Kenshiro, which I just cannot understand why. And I've even tried to trying to even you know contact you know people close to him, his reps, and, and but you get no you get no feedback. It's it's very difficult over in Japan trying to. Plus, I'm not even on social media, so it doesn't really make it easier. But maybe now with a with a a change in promoters, it might be a little bit more, might be easier for him to get some of the better fights, but we'll wait and see. But he'd be one of them. Um, we were perhaps contemplating, uh, it could be around sort of, you know, between 10 and 15. Um, I mean, you mentioned, uh, you know, Jamel Charlie, uh, Jamel Charlie, the unified. 154-pound champion, but come on, man. Beaten John Jackson and Jason Rosario for three of the belts. That that's not a that's not a stellar CV for me. Having difficulties with Varnas Martirosian in a fight which arguably he may have lost. Um, beaten up Charles Hatley and and uh, you know a washed up Austin Trout. Um, we saw what a pure boxer can do to him, somebody who doesn't really try and engage with him, which he did in the second fight, in, in Tony Harrison in the first fight. And that shows that a fighter who is able to control distance and range on him can be very unorthodox, um, can fire straight punches and can counter punch as well and can move and has a bit of punching power as well just to keep you keep him on check. You know that 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 can cause him, that can that can definitely cause him some some difficulties. So, um, to me, it's a CV that that you know very much flatters to deceive. I think he's a very monotonous fighter. I've seen tends to tends just to do the same combination and tends to pivot out this in the same direction all the time. I don't see a lot of. Translucent sort of qualities to his boxing ability for me. I think he he's he's benefited from a division in which the PBC have just kind of sort of round robin a lot of the titles. He's lost. He's lost. He's won it. He's won it. So the titles, the unified titles, get moved around between Jared Hurd and and Julian Williams, and then Rosario, and then him. So there's not really there's not really been one dominant champion at the division so for me given that he's already suffered a loss as well by one of the former champions then for me he's not I, I can't see him as as the outright definitive number one fighter at 154 um, so uh, for me I, I, I don't see him as a, I don't see him as you know the 10 Best fighters at 154 pounds, irrespective of the the the, the frequency of titles as he does have. As officials talked about, you know, we don't really give a fuck about titles too much. It's about quality of opposition that he's beaten. He could have fought Jared Hurd. He didn't want Jared Hurd. He wanted to play the A side card with Jared Hurd, so that never happened as well. So a lot of bitch ass tactics, you know. Both him and his goofy-looking brother with their bleached teeth and their tinty Jerichos, man, can sit on the sideline, man. Not interested in that shit.
And again, corruption, even even if he was to fight hurt, how, just how good of a victory really would it be? I mean, it would not say much about his skill level and uh, certainly would not put him about uh, the fighters that we included on our list. Yeah, you know, I mean, Jared Hurd already knocked out Tony Harrison before he'd fought him and, you know, his brother already <laughs> beaten Austin Trout before he'd fought Austin Trout. So, and, and, um, uh, Hurd had already fought, you know, Julian Williams, but, with the case of Jared Hurd, is an interesting one. He was a very good fighter, but um, clearly a fighter, you know, with Vada testing, he, he certainly wouldn't have been at 154 pounds. Um, so no no, no surprises why he didn't want to ex exercise some sort of a rematch with, with Julian Williams. But I think if the fight happens at 160 official, as I've talked about in the past, I think Jared Hurd knocks Julian Williams to sleep puts him to sleep i don't i don't think it's a case that julia williams is stylistically better or he's a superior boxer i just think um whatever reason you know heard came up short in that fight but if he's sufficiently rehydrated then i i think he puts a beating on julian williams but anyway it doesn't matter jamel good fighter but nah no, not 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 pound for pound for me. Um, his brother, well, another fighter, you know, 160. He never never defeated anybody for 160-pound world championship. And, you know, his best victory is against who? A fighter coming off a defeat in in the Sergei Darmianchenko. So and look how he struggled against the two southpaws who could box from range keep the fight long, use the southpaw and pivot out, you know, both in different directions in Trout and and um, Matt Korobov. And uh, he didn't look very good in either of them. I think in the Trout fight, he looked even worse than he did in the Korobov fight. Because at least with Korobov, he, he, he began to... Korobov, as we mentioned before, had spent what a, nearly two years out of the ring, had to lose far more weight initially to make the undercard fight and then he had to lose further pounds just to make the fight as well so once Korobov ran out of once Korobov had expanded his energy in, in winning the earlier part of the fight uh Jamal Jamal relied on his superior conditioning and the fact that he's been more of a seasoned active fighter and that that is what he what won in the fight nothing more nothing less I think a fully conditioned, healthy, rehydrated Matt Korobov would have sustained, had the energy to have sustained his efforts for the remaining six rounds. And he would have, well, I, I, I think he would have accumulated enough points to have won the fight, but whether the judges would have vindicated his efforts and given him that is, is highly dubious. And it, it's going to remain a hypothetical, but it wouldn't have surprised me Charlo got the nod even being outboxed eight rounds to four because that, that's what happens on the PBC. They're desperate to keep the titles on their champions, keep belts within the PBC, try and play the A-side tactics with all of the other promoters. And, and even if they're not willing to concede, you know, 
uh, A-side, B-side financial privileges, then the PBC will just go into a round robin of PBC fights on pay-per-view just to try and compensate for any loss of revenue that may may have been attracted in that unification. So they have their business model. It's more important than the legacy and the greatness and the matchups there that their fighters are taking. So how can you then reward with these fighters by elevating them high on pound for pound rankings when when their when when their promoter is, is so purveying of these sort of, you know, bitch ass tactics. It, to me that that's a complete paradox. It's a contradiction. And, and it's something, the coup d'etat of boxing, you know, we want to get our militia and we want to break that shit down. Yes, couldn't say it any better. <laughs> yeah, man, a lot of uh, media created pound for, so-called pound for pound fighters that are no. not really on that level. No you mentioned but he was a fighter i was very keen on having in the top 10 and that was maruti mithalani oh yeah <laughs> not because of the south african connection <laughs> none of that <laughs> la, la, la. <laughs> uh, it's because he, for for me he is probably he's been one of the most sickly underrated fighters in all the boxing when i were a decade um been a long you know i mean he's been one of the longest reigning champions he's had two stretches of the ibf championship um just the longevity he's managed to secure and he's not and it's been tough for him you know i mean coming from south africa so it's not it's been difficult getting fights uh but he's he's, he's had good victories um he's beaten He's beaten three weight world champions, two weight world champions. He's beaten he's beaten two three weight world champions, and another two weight world champion. So you can't say his resume is weak, and he's 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 fought in different jurisdictions as well as he's had to, I guess, uh, coming from South Africa. But he's always obviously Casimiro went to South Africa to fight him, so he he's been able to bring over good fighters over there as well so it's not a case of uh him just being you know just being exclusively a road warrior but nevertheless he's beaten up and coming good young talented skilled fighters as well um brilliant fighter i think uh, very underrated uh can do a little bit of everything um skillful Good tech, technically very good as well. Can fight decent as a pressure fighter. Good at short range, but underrated defense as well for for such a high volume, high octane fighter. Um, can make subtle adjustments as well. Uh, can shorten his punches, which are already quite short. But he does it even takes the power off the punches, so he adds a little bit more deceptiveness and decoy to his punching but then comes back with hard shots this is like a little bit of roman gonzalez in his style as well when he tends to the very the speed the trajectory and the power of the punches so there's there's some nice little subtle subtleties to his game um yeah the, overall um 
he's a veteran now, so he doesn't really have a significant amount of time. Uh, managed to get a good, very good payday over in Japan recently against Yagashi when he stopped him, former freeweight world champion. So they were looking to. I knew that they were probably going to look look into rob him, gave gave him a tremendous amount of money, but he did he did the right thing and the, the thing you're supposed to do as well in beating up the old guard and you know avoiding the fiasco of getting the fight on the cards and, and risking losing his belt. So um, hopefully he's got one more good fight in him. Why not fight Ray Martinez? You know why not? You know just roll the dice, go for it. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> going to be a difficult proposition against a beast who has age and probably has size and power and work rate and chin and pretty pretty much has a, a lot of the advantages but uh, I, I think Maruti has definitely got boxing ability so and Jay Harris showed that you know you can box and sometimes outbox against a very square fighter who is a prodigious power puncher but can be outboxed uh, although Jay Harris is a big, big man as well, much bigger than you know Maruti, but um, but Mitlani um, between yeah between definitely within the top twenty, no doubt about it. But yeah, you know maybe maybe between ten and twelve, thirteen, something like that wouldn't have been too far fetched, I think. In the corruption. Correct me if I'm wrong, because uh, you definitely you have been following uh, Moruti Matalane much more than myself. But uh, it seems to me as if uh, Matalane aged extremely well, because despite being 38 years old already, yeah. uh, his work rate is still very impressive. He's still able to put on a very high work rate, and that's that's the thing that impressed me if, if, in his uh, very very recent fights. So yeah, huge huge activity from him, and yeah, definitely definitely a fighter worth watching and following, and. Uh, yeah, it's credit. And it's impressive officially. I mean he's remained he's remained one weight class his entire professional career, which is hard to believe given uh, given that they're you know short fighters, but but to maintain your weight not having not having the kind of promoters and, and the training camps and the budgets to do it and He's had to mix boxing career with actually working back in South Africa as well. So, oh yeah, uh, difficulty, you know, great, great deal of, of of difficulties that you know boxing fans not aware of, of you know, uh, and and you know having that having that sort of you know discipline and that regime and you're right, you know, having having a good lifestyle which is not subjugated his talents and his abilities or his stamina. Knowing that he's got to rely on work rate and aggression, because he may not be blessed with, you know, you know, with, with maybe the, you know, the, the the talents of some of the fighters at sort of 108 and 112. Uh, but he's he's relied on what's worked for him, and uh, he's kind of fine-tuned it. Experience has got him. He's he was kind of a little bit. His accuracy early on wasn't wasn't the best, but he's kind of improved that. So I can see over the years that he's had 
definitely improvements in his punch. He wasn't punching right as well. He was very much sort of a rugged brawler, but he, he managed to fine-tune that as well. Became more of a, a calculated pressure fighter, as I called it. Um, um, yeah, it's been been uh, yeah been great. Um, you know, following his career, you know, representing South Africa. Um, you know, he's got a little bit of money now, so should he should he retire now at thirty eight? You know, he made a a million or so against Yugashi, so you know, hopefully he'll. He'll spend that wisely. No doubt he'll distribute it to all of his family, etc. Here it is. A very generous, uh, very generous human being as well. So, uh, yeah, whatever he, whatever he cho- ten- chooses to do going forward, man, I, I, I salute, I salute him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and uh, you, you mentioned Kyokuchi, who who was uh, one fighter for, for me as well that I was considering, and who was on my pound-for-pound pound list. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, the competition is so tough. I mean, uh, between all the names that, that we already mentioned, yeah, it's a shame that we could not include him, but... Hell of a hell of an inside fighter, very talented, very very skillful. Um, his uppercut is a thing of beauty, and uh, yeah, there and there are other names that we haven't included, like Tyson Fury, Canelo, Crawford, Bevel, Tanaka, Pekia even, and uh, who else? Um, also, Casimero. Uh, what? Somebody, you know, even people like one Jose Carlos Ramirez is not bad. Emmanuel Navarrete is also another very decent fighter, but Navarrete maybe you know definitely doesn't have the resume thus far, but uh, still has time. Very active fighter, fighting regularly, so hopefully he he can get some. So going forward in 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 the future, I'm sure. He, uh, there's possibilities of him, um, but at the moment, no. Uh, it doesn't matter that he's a two-way world champion, but um, yeah. uh, uh, other fighters. Um, yeah, Dimitri Bivol was one that we were contemplating as well. And I put, official had. Definitely holds him in very high regard, and from 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 a pure boxing standpoint, absolutely, um, he he has that boxing ability that can embarrass a lot of the top fighters. Like, should Canelo Alvarez choose to, to dance with him in the ring, I think that would be a bad mistake for Canelo. Um, you know, Canelo is as as flat-footed as Aladdin is with his curly-toe sandals, you know, he ain't going to be <laughs> somebody like that. You know, even with even with all of the the nonsensical and even the, the way Canelo has pretty much everything fixed for him in just one fixed fight and compromise fight after the other after the other. Um, no, we're not we're not interested in in. Fighters who are, who are basically—you can't even—you can't even look at 
look at them with the same sort of contention with all of these other fighters, you know, like how does how does how does Sergei Kovalev go from fighting one style six weeks before and then fighting Canelo in a completely mirror opposite style, which does everything in his capacity just to lose the fight? Now, how, how do you explain that? To me, that makes is there's no logical sense in that at all. Everything that was working against Yard, everything that worked for him as a power puncher, all of a sudden against Alvarez, he adopts a completely different style. Uh, to me, that that is beyond the realms of of anything that is pragmatic, anything that is logical, anything that is feasible, that is viable, and a fighter who who gets rewarded with with a boxing contract with a new promoter if he loses a fight rather than any talk of getting a contract should he have won the fight how does that happen as well so yeah people have got to be logical in their thinking you know and it doesn't matter that a fighter gets knocked out but that's the whole process of compromising fights has happened i can give you 50 fights in the past in which fighters would be viciously knocked out, but it doesn't matter that the whole the whole duration of the fight because everything was set up for that fight. It's just to lose the fight, and hopefully, hopefully, when Sergey Kovalev finally gets around to to his autobiography, or somebody tends has the has the notes, uh, I'm sure all will be revealed. But there's a there's a hell of a lot more there and another sort of isometric factor of that fight is is this this Bektamir Malakusian fight which is one of the most left field fights and weird fights and it holds stems from that whole Canelo and Kovalev fight as well because I think it's a case of DAZN um, having cold feet and realising that they'd, they'd sufficiently overplayed overpaid Kovalev to surrender to to surrender you know his championship um to be financially induced to surrender his championship to Alvarez and thus the subsequent deals that they agreed with Golden Boy I think the zone are basically saying that now nah, we're not gonna we're, we're not prepared to pay him even more or whatever it is two three million for these fights subsequent whatever the 12 million that they paid for him to you know to 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 no doubt about it to deliberately lose the fight and uh maybe they're saying to golden boy well you know who's your biggest dog and killer dog just go up to 179 and just end his career because we don't want to pay him subsequently after this fight we want just to finish him off and now we find kovalev who's at vada testing pretty much his entire career Specifically, wanted Vada testing for this fight as well, and isn't it convenient that he ends up failing for some sort of synthetic testosterone now, knowing that he's been under twenty four seven Vada testing under under, and even if he tried to microdose or trying to uh, to be a little bit more subtlety, any sort of subtleties that he may have tried to exemplify in 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 whatever, and getting back up to shape or whatever, that you're telling me that he would be stupid enough to knowing that that Vada, you know, definitely have the capabilities of, of of finding not only synthetics, you know, that's that's 
one of their strongest facets in their testing facility. They talk about synthetics in there, which some of the other you know, drug testing is known for. And so that, there's a lot of shit that we're seeing official that is coming out that is still impacting that that really all stems back to Canelo Alvarez and you know the repercussions that a lot of the fighters are you know inadvertently or isometrically having so uh, that's the reason why Alvarez he wouldn't even be on the top fucking four thousand list mate. <laughs> yeah yeah you you know what? Okay so um uh... You asking uh, how was Kavalev? Why was he performing in a in a total opposite way six weeks before his previous fights? Well, one of the reasons maybe that uh, well that he had a fight just six weeks before facing Canelo, which uh, doesn't uh, make it any better for Canelo, because look his his career, I mean. To me, he, he is talented and a skilled tough fighter with, with an iron chin, with good basics and very good defense. Um, but I had him losing both fights to Golovkin and anytime he 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 he's supposed to, to face uh, what many people are saying, tough opponent, bigger than him. There is some fuckery going on, so you cannot get the credit for fighting. Uh, people want credit to, to us to give credit to Canelo for facing Kavalev without wanting to, to admit that he's facing past his prime Kavalev, who fought fix, six weeks earlier and and uh, who's been on a on a huge down downslide since since the world fights. Uh, they also don't want to mention that he had a one-way rehydration clause, the same way uh, Daniel Jacobs, also another name that, uh, well, uh, who was able to to appear as a cruiserweight in the ring against uh, Golovkin, and I'm not over exaggerating, literally as a as a cruiserweight. But then against Canelo, there is a one-way rehydration clause for uh, for him. And then uh, he was not as big in the ring, wasn't as fresh, and uh, even even uh, even um, Canelo fighting such tall fighters at 168 like uh, Smith. I mean, look, that's another case where where you're giving your opponent four weeks training camp which literally means three weeks training camp because in the last week following um in the week coming to the fight you're not really able to to really do any serious training just maintaining keeping your weight and uh, or otherwise you're getting hurt you know you, you're risking not to be able to to have a fight if you get hurt in the last week of the yeah. so-called training camp, and uh, plus, um, yeah, he he was saying uh, Smith was saying that he didn't have any rehydration clothes, but how can we even trust Canelo when uh, when they tried to keep uh, the rehydration clothes for uh, for Kavalev under the rug? Until uh, Kavalev, Kavalev's team leaked it to um, to the reporters on the day of waiting. 
plus funny that Kovalev is uh, failing uh, his first try at waiting. I mean, I want to give Canelo credit, but give me a, but let me know how. I mean, there is a lot of fuckeries that that are going on with his fights that uh, I just cannot ignore. So you cannot expect for me to to give him all the credits for fighting a 175 pounder, for fighting 168 pounder, for Canelo being much smaller fighter. If I'm hearing about the rehydration clothes, about three-week training camps, about... Um, um, only willing to face a fighter uh, right uh, six weeks after his fight. So, and even at 160, uh, deserving to lose both fights against Golovkin, in my opinion. I can I can just go on, but there, there, there is just so much fuckery going on. Failed, that... Exactly, failed VADA testing. He's been found guilty of stacking his... his... Illegal hand wraps, what, twice, even arguably three times. How many other times has he done it as well that have not been on camera? Um, what, you know what I mean? What really pisses me off is that, you know, like with Callum Smith, you know, he's the champion. He's the WBA World Boxing Super Series, the Ring Magazine champion. Flood him in his backyard, show him the respect that he deserves. But no, you drag him to the United States. And, the, and that guy was like a fish out of water, scared out of his pants. And, he, and you know, a lot of credit to Demetrius Andrade, who called the fight absolutely right. You know, no doubt the DAZN executives were looking to, to sort of terminate him and cancel <laughs> his microphone, <laughs> you know, yeah. terminate his contract straight away. But, you know, Andrade doesn't really have the orator ability, but... He was he was talking about Smith just just not even trying to win the fight and 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 towards the end was even funnier when he was actually arguing with all three of them and saying that you know Canelo's resume is actually quite superficially rubbish man you know he's he's done a lot but he couldn't really convey it on camera or he felt a little bit guilty given that he's also an employee of the zone so here he is shitting on the you know well he's no longer exclusive to them but. Think about it. Is is any other promoter really going to be paying Canelo the kind of wages and the kind of salary that he's used to? No one else has that sort of capital, especially now. So Canelo is a disowned fighter. He's not going to go and fight on PBC for five million dollars, is he? Yeah. Um, and uh, please, please let me just make one last point about Canelo. Uh, another thing that where <laughs> people want us to, to give the credit to Canelo for is for him facing the bigger guys. And uh, you just mentioned the failed VADA test and uh, a known fact that he's been uh, using the diuretics to, to make the weight uh, clean butyrol. So they want you to, to give credit uh, to Canelo for facing much bigger guys, taller guys. But yeah, first of all, he's giving them three weeks wait three week wait camps. He's making them uh, assign the rehydration clothes, and on top of that, he's able to 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 come in a perfect shape to 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 train as long as he wants. And uh, he's doing the same thing uh, 
Mayweather was doing by the end of his career. And uh, meanwhile, he can uh, use the diuretics, he can... Uh, things like that. So you want me to ignore that, uh, that he's making himself bigger while trying to give... to to get credit for fighting the taller guys who who he's draining who who don't have the the ability to drain himself themselves with the diuretics because they're not the eight side mm-hmm. and because uh, they have to dance to, to his tune uh, yeah but but also official like um if you if you look at the the sort of ratio of his weight increase and the time in comparison to the early part of his career is just like a complete imbalance, which can only have been due to the, the body physically changing due to the protracted nature of his abuse of substances. Because a fighter who expressed for so long that he's not a middleweight, that there's no way he can even make middleweight, hence so he invents a weight category specifically for himself, Canelo weighed 155 pounds. And now all of a sudden he's telling the whole world he can no longer fight at middleweight. At a weight category, he did everything to avoid actually fighting at the championship limit and and facing those fighters in their prime at that weight at the time. But now he can go up to 175 pounds and be knocking out and having easier fights. And... uh, now longer expresses no desire to, to fight at 160 pounds. Kind of seems bizarre, doesn't it? It just, just makes no logical sense. Whereas all of the, all of the aforementioned fighters who, who wanted to fight him at the time, most of them are either at, still at 160 pounds or may yeah. just have moved up logically to 168 pounds. But it's taken them around six, seven years from that point to do so. But for Canelo... No, he can't make it. Um, <laughs> corruption. Uh, yeah, corruption. We are uh, in twenty twenty one today. In two thousand thirteen, his his very first fight after the Mayweather loss against uh, El Perro Gonzalez. Uh, Perro forgot his name. Uh, El Perro does Angulo. Angulo. Yeah. In the ring, he for that fight. In the ring, he was waiting 173 in 2013. It was the yeah. February, the March of that year. Yeah. Years yeah. late. Uh, just imagine how how big is. And great point about uh, about the way he he's kept that 160 division. Ah. You know, um, it, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, to me, it's kind of sickening when when you have to listen to, especially the zone and so many people that are just so many weak-minded people who, who really don't have any sort of constructive opinions or able to sort of, you know, really dissect his resume, even looking at his boxing style. And is he really a complete boxing? To me, Canelo never really has. I don't think he's he's as prodigiously talented as all of 
as all of the um, the accolades that are just constant, continuously just that he has afforded. Um, he's never had any footwork. Um, is he really a, a, a brilliant counter puncher? I think he's. I think he is a very good fighter, but I don't see him as any sort of an elite fighter. And when he fought washed up elite fighters who were way past their prime, he he couldn't do anything against those fighters. To me, he was he was struggling there, even at, even in the championship rounds against some of those fighters as well. So, you know, Miguel Cotto showed him a veteran fighting out. You know, Cotto was was able to win a lot of the rounds just with his jab. Um, Cotto for me was technically. I think ability-wise, a much better fighter than, than Alvarez. And if that was a Cotto a couple of years before in his prime, if he was still at 155, he would have absolutely have scored Alvarez. Uh, uh, but he was very close to retirement. And there's no way Miguel Cotto would have, you know, they were keen to relieve him of that, you know, the WBC championship. Uh, so Alvarez could have another weight could have another championship at another weight category, and he's 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 one. Of, he's the most fortunate man in boxing. Um, um, pretty he's much not, everything. Yeah, he's not even the best fighter in his own gym. Yeah, yeah, he's he's definitely not the best Mexican fighter. Uh, not for me. Um, And um, you know, 175 pounds. You know, will he? Will we ever see him again at 175 pounds? I think maybe if you, you you even at 168 pounds. Now, when when David Benavides was the champion, you never heard absolutely anything about Alvarez about fighting him, fighting for the WBC belt. But as soon as but the soon as sorry, David Benavides either lost the belt or missed the weight or whatever, or he was stripped of cocaine and the belt became vacant, Canelo was on the phone to the WBC straight away. Yeah, I'll fight with a vacant against yeah. him or whatever. You know, he was just the same way when the WBO, when Demetrius Andrade was chasing him up two weight divisions. Uh, as soon as Andrade lost the belt or the belt became vacant, he was he was... He was looking to fight for the vacant, but he couldn't. Smith fought the vacant against John Thompson, and then he jumped on Liam Smith straight away. But before when Andrade was his mandatory, and then Canelo was him, Canelo moved up a different weight division to get away from him. Now, it doesn't matter whether you think that Andrade is a bullshit fighter or whatever it was, but I've always thought that Andrade just has the, has the size... And 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 has and has the that that kind of footwork that can that that a flat-footed fighter like Canelo will struggle against if it's if it's a fair unbalanced fight with independent judges, which is never going to be. I think Demetrius Andrade doesn't doesn't have to engage with Canelo. He can just he can just make Canelo look silly, fight the way that Liam's that uh you know Callum Smith should have a six-foot-three fighter against. You know, against uh, you know Alvarez instead of you know trying to back up on the ropes and just allow a guy just to walk up to him and start 
unloading with, you know, heavy punches, but wild, wild single punches. I think Andrade really think he's going to sit there stationary dormant and allow Canelo just to tee off on him. No, he'll be moving around. He'll do to Canelo what he did to Keith Furman in the amateurs. You know, that's how to beat a smaller fighter, you know. And, and that's what I've always felt he would do against Alvarez. And that's why Golden Boy have never been keen on that fight whatsoever. Putting it down to Andrade is a no one. He's got a horrible style. He's boring. And, and the rest of those deflammatory, deliberately avoiding, you know, echelons that we hear about, you know, not taking the fight. Uh, we, we, we know when they... We know when, you know, they don't want to get in the ring. And, and Canelo has done that. He, he did that with Golovkin early on. He didn't, you know, he ideally didn't really want Erez Landy Lara, but it, Lara was calling them out publicly, you know, turning up at his press conferences, you know, embarrassing him. So, you know, no doubt Canelo had to entertain that fight. You know, He was getting, he was getting a hell of a lot of abuse by, you know, his Mexican fans that, what are you going to do? You know, he's calling you out. You've got to fight him. So, you know, Canela took him on uh, and for me struggled in that fight as well. And I watched that fight again and the more and more I see it, you know, uh, it doesn't matter. You know, Eris Landy has a negative back foot style. It's, it's, does he land more clean punches? Is he taking less punches? And I, I think he is. So for me, Lara wins that fight, but uh, it's always going to be a contentious one, but um, and even the Austin tried fight as well. You know that that was another one, and they they tried to upset that fight as well with this WBC rankings, you know, open scoring system as well. You know, um, try and employ any sort of tactics to try and change the course of a fight. It's just. We've just seen it littered in his throughout his career, and uh, hence the reason why Canelo Alvarez is, is um, will eventually be assassinated by the coup d'état. <laughs> yeah, it, um, you know what? By the way, I, I don't necessarily think that uh, he he would necessarily be really be beaten by by all the fighters that he's uh, ducking. But at the same time, you can clearly see that uh, that he's trying not to, to get the fights that, that are going to be tough for him style-wise. Um, I mean, even with Caleb Plant, who, who I don't think neither that uh, is really looking to... to Really willing to to become a great fighter or try to be a great fighter by by facing the best possible opponents, but still offering him a, a contract, a fight four weeks earlier, ju- just four weeks before the fight, uh, trying to duck Andrade again. N- I'm not necessarily saying that. He would be beaten by Andrade, but he doesn't want to get into those fights that are stylistically difficult for him. Uh, yeah, you're right, man. Um, it's it's difficult with the with the Caleb Plant fight. You know, we're not very close to the negotiating uh, inner circle, so we don't know. But we know 
two offers were sent, but I don't know. You, you, you're going to have to go to one of these boxing channels that are just invested in boxing news and gossip and all of that just to, to, just to try and establish the facts on, on, you know, who ducked who. But it wouldn't surprise me if Canelo tried to redact Caleb Plant as well, trying to, you know, minimize and shorten his preparation for the fight. It, it's just that's you know that that is Canelo's mo. We know that. Um, uh, is he really going to give any fighter uh, just a clear and concise, you know, two three month unconstrained, unrestricted training camp? It's, that's just not him. They want to manipulate any aspect, whether it's all of that, try and you know lower the morale by. Um, the split of the purse and the gate and the revenues or the pay-per-view splits or whatever else. So it's just fun. It's just so many different elements of financial and attritional rehydration, weight. It's just, uh, I just get sick about talking about it, you know, um, and even, you know, what he did to Jose Cia Lopez as well, even going back, you know, a guy who already came up from 140 to 147 pounds to beat Victor, or Victor Ortiz, who, who Canelo wanted to fight. And everybody expected Ortiz to beat Jose Cia Lopez. But Jose Cia upset the card, broke Victor Ortiz's jaw. And what did Canelo do? No, he didn't fight Jose Ciro at 147, as he'd already come up in weight. But no, he dragged him up to 154 in his very next fight. You know, that that, that that's that that pretty much just accentuates the bitch ass tactics that he's employed pretty much throughout his career. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, by the way. Yeah, I think it was enough of Canelo for us tonight. Um, yeah, um, we should. I think we should keep it uh, under six hours be because um, if not, yeah. uh, we may disappear from YouTube. Um, yeah. Any, any other <laughs> way? <laughs> do, do you want to see anything else uh, about our list or uh, mention the other names? No, no, no. Uh, I think we should not only save the punishment for for the souls of our followers, but for our <laughs> mental and physical well-being as well. <laughs> That's completely right. Uh, I mean, it's 4.42 over here. Yeah, so I, I would just like to, uh, to let people know that... Uh, Thunderdome Boxing Talk is currently streaming. I'm going to drop the link in the chat, so click there. And uh, you mostly know Anthony Thunderdome, but click on the link and uh, visit his live. And uh, thank you for staying for, for so long with us, uh, eight of you. And uh, we've been on for five hours, 44 minutes. Uh, amazing. Thank you to corruption. 
Yeah. Now, thanks for thanks especially to you for um, maintaining throughout. You know, I mean, I've got a little bit of. Um, it's difficult when you've got you know family here, and uh, unfortunately, they're not. T3 members are not feeling very well, so it's kind of difficult at the moment. They're worried about whether they might even have some sort of a, you know, a viral infection as well, which is going around at the moment, and it's bitterly cold here over in Europe. I don't mm. know what it's like for you, official, in, in, in the south of France, but certainly in Central Europe, it's just bitterly cold. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, the, the, especially these last couple of days, uh, weeks. I mean, I have uh, my, my nose running nonstop. Uh, yeah, extremely cold. Uh, by the way, one last thing that I wanted to, to, to tell you is that Diego said earlier, a bit earlier when uh, you was off, that it looks like they, they're going to cancel Inu's fight against Das Marinas, and there is... There is a real possibility of Inoue facing uh, Casimero next. Good. I, I was thinking that Casimero was going to move up to super, super bantamweight and take on Rigondio. Or um, I, I thought that was perhaps what they were looking for, but. That weight division, there's a lot of, there's a hell of a lot of Filipinos. Uh, we saw that with, we talked about that previously with, uh, uh, with, not sure what's happened when Nonito is looking to come back, but we've got Rodriguez who was screwed over uh, by the Pacquiao fighter. Um, so if Casimero is not going to move up and it's going to fight anyway, then then fantastic, you know that that's the fight that everybody was looking for. Um, Casimero has to take that fight official. You, you only have to listen to him. He's he's he he's relying on he's relying on the money coming from Japan because he doesn't really have a massive fan base in the United States. So he, he he talks about that as well. So he's quite open about it. Um, um, money is clearly one of his aspirations. And no, don't blame him for that. You know, you want to get sufficiently compensated. And he knows that the anyway fight is, in terms of money, that that's the big money fight. And why not, you know? You've got one belt. He's got two belts. Chance to, you know, win all three belts. Um, be number one at the division, so you know why not? Um, he's got he's got boxing ability, he's got punching power. He's a little bit wild, a little bit too wide for me. It's going to have problems, but um, he's fought in what nine different countries, so he's not been averse to to challenges. You can't say he's a pussy. The opposite, you know, he's, he's he'll fight, he'll fight the Ron Rangs, he'll come to England, he'll go to South Africa, he'll fight in the state, he'll go wherever. So, uh, to me, it was surprising what he started to do with Sean Gibbons. You know, I didn't quite like what I was hearing with him. 
um, starting to believe in his own hype a little bit too much, and uh, I, I didn't like that. So, so if it goes back 180 degrees and we get that fight that we're all hoping we were going to get last year, then you know, fantastic. Let, let, let's hope so. But I'm a, I'm going to remain skeptical though. Yeah, yeah, and and by the way, yeah, you you just mentioned his his wildness and him having balls. Definitely, the those are two things that he does have indeed, and uh, it's something that that is very needed in order to possibly beat Inoue, because he's not the type of fighter who who who's gonna lay down for uh, for Inoue. He he's really going to. To try his best, and uh, he has balls to. He would have. Uh, he's one of them who would have balls to to counter punch, for example, in between Inoue's punches. So, so yeah. Yeah, just... you're right. He he's the one fighter who I don't think will be intimidated by Noya, and and that's a good thing for the fight. I think he'll be he'll be very optimistic in his ability. You know, he'll be he'll be well brash. Yeah, it, it won't phase him if that if that sort of goes ahead. If if basically you know, PBC and and, and top rank somehow, whether, you know whether it's you know Bucky whether it's MP promotions that that have got his registration on. I, I don't quite I don't know who's who's his main promoter. Whether he's got an international, it might just be Manny Pacquiao's got his, uh, or he's got some sort of a a third party assignable contract with Al Heyman. I, I don't quite know the logistics of it, but uh, so it, it, it could be tough, you know, trying to structure that unified deal. Um, if it's going to happen, it, it, I can, I can only see it happening once we've got, once the lockdown's over and we've got full, full audiences. I don't see, the fight happening behind closed doors at all. So for me, official, realistically, the fight's not really going to happen before, I'd say, could even be September, something like that. I, I can't see it. Hmm. I have no problem with waiting for September. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it happens one day, be it September or even the next year. But yeah, even if the fight happens in the Philip, if the fight happens in the Philippines and we got no lockdown, I'll go over there. You know, I was hoping to go over there and you know get into some deep sea diving with my man Diego. You know, get, <laughs> my, get my diver's license over there. You know, and uh, try and help him with his farm. You know, get try and help him build that wall and the partition and get his farm going. Uh, so I'll go over there, you know, watch the fight. Yeah, so big up to Diego. And okay, so one more time, I dropped the link for Thunderdome's live stream. He's currently on. Thank you, really. Thank you, guys. Huge thank you for staying on with us for for so long. Hit the like, share the link if you want to help us. And um, that's it over to you, Krupp. Some comments, yeah, would be appreciated. Good or bad, you know, give us 
give us your appraisal of the show and even give us your top tens. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll maybe talk about it and, and sort of incorporate some of the top tens in some of the shows going forward. But big, big, big thank you to everybody who tuned in for the live show at various points. You know, difficult is difficult to remain with us for, throughout the, the whole duration, but those who did, um, the massive amount of, you know, respect and appreciation.